I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. Turn it to CNN. They're covering the red wave. They just don't know it yet. It's high noon for Tuesday, December 1st, 2020. The central narrative on coronavirus is collapsing. Now, I had a little too much faith in people. I thought that this narrative was going to collapse on a widespread basis back in May or June. The fact that we're still doing this now in December is insane to me, but it is happening. Yesterday, Jake Tapper had to squeak out the words that there was breaking news. Documents out of China revealed that they hid the virus from the world and gave false information. Breaking news. Of course, that news broke nine months ago. Was it a secret? No. So how did people miss it? Well, because they don't give a shit about thinking for themselves. I talked about it in revisionist history and man, oh man, was that a long time ago? I think that was the end of May. But I'm sure that I talked about it in interviews and stuff before then. That was back before the days of high and noon. But there have always been reports that China was holding back this knowledge from the world. Remember, the WHO said in the middle of January that human to human transmission didn't happen. That was not true. And everyone knew it was not true. There was no doubt about China hiding information about the coronavirus for six weeks. This stuff has been known. But the mainstream media hid it and covered it up because it didn't help their narrative. And this is exactly the sort of thing I've been talking about for this entire time. The information is out there. If you pay attention to the central narrative You either won't get the information or you will get a counter narrative that you're likely to believe out of habit. It seems like it's more credentialed information. So when someone says, yeah, the reports are that China hid this information, that person's going to be called a conspiracy theorist because We have better information from our credentialed sources that say that's just that's not something we can confirm. So it took them eight more months to confirm it. I wonder what happened during that time. But here's another way the central narrative broke down yesterday for CNN. Good old Dr. Fauci. 
came out and talked about how schools were safe, except there was never a point ever where schools weren't safe. There have been virtually no documented cases in the entire world of outbreaks at schools or children transmitting the virus to adults, especially teachers. But, you know, some teachers might be 70, so we better shut the whole school down. There was no science behind that. There never was. And Fauci now says that he's he's viewing the data. Now he's taken a look at the data and the data shows that schools are safe. Of course, the data also showed that eight months ago, and there was no time ever where data showed anything but that. Instead, we closed down the schools and stunted the social and intellectual growth of 60 million kids. Many of those teenagers got depressed, committed suicide. Does that matter? Or are we only focused on whether or not people in hospice care were infected with coronavirus as well as whatever was already killing them. Because that's what we count as coronavirus deaths here. And how do we count them? Oh, with PCR tests or just deciding if they have coronavirus-like symptoms. And thank goodness the flu has disappeared. Good God. Who knows how many deaths we'd have if we had flu deaths and coronavirus deaths instead of just coronavirus deaths which look exactly like flu deaths and are picked up with inaccurate PCR tests that wouldn't even have read positive in Germany but yeah 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 sure sure it's always been about the data it's always been about the science and 8 months later 9 months later Anthony Fauci catches up to reality because of the data and of course Commies and maskies will still believe him and they'll still believe their commie masks work and they'll do whatever their commie mommy says because they have no personal authority. Why even bother being human? The point of life is not more life. I swear these people would kneel down in front of the Chinese military if they were to invade here. And they would be like, sure, you can send me to the camp. Like, no big deal. I just need more life. I don't really have to have a good life. I just need more life. Fuck that. Kill me, commie. Not going to live in communist China just because it has... Nice Southern California weather. And speaking of CNN, they are in for a very bad day. James O'Keefe from uh, Project Veritas is at 4 p.m. Pacific time, 7 p.m. Eastern time, going to begin releasing clips of CNN's editorial conference calls. Someone gave him the login information a couple months ago. And so he's been monitoring these calls 
for a couple months. And today he unmuted himself and joined the call and told Jeff Zucker <laughs> on video. It's actually hilarious. You got to watch it. But told Jeff Zucker exactly what he's been doing and the fact that he's going to begin releasing this stuff this afternoon. So what are we going to hear? Them talking shit about President Trump? Them lying about the coronavirus? Them lying about the election? Them lying about China? Hopefully we can hear all of it. I would love any of it. Just give it to me. I can't wait. But wait, there's more. CNN had, uh, CNN's Brooke Baldwin had Jeff Duncan, I guess the lieutenant governor of Georgia, on for an interview yesterday. And I guess he's been making the media rounds saying how perfect Georgia's election was. And he did something really telling. He said that people are spreading disinformation that can be debunked in 30 seconds. Did he debunk it? No. But he made the point to say that it could be debunked in 30 seconds, like it was really easily debunked. So if you believe it, you're probably crazy or stupid. Because why else would you believe easily debunkable information? And that is what they do. That's the sort of thing that gives those addicted to the central narrative extra confidence in the fact that what he's saying is actually true. Because if you know in your head that the thing can be debunked in 30 seconds, well, you don't really need to know how to do it then, do you? It's so easily debunked that it's not even worth looking into. And the cool thing is that you can actually go to other people and say, yeah, that, that can be debunked in 30 seconds. And you know they're not going to ask. But if they do ask, then you'll just be like, you should just watch Jeff Duncan on CNN today. He explained it, but he didn't explain it. It's the way they always do this. They give you their narrative without addressing the counter narrative. And then they tell you that it's so basic and easy because they want to marginalize anyone who disagrees. Only someone stupid would disagree with this. That's what they say. And it's funny because they are constantly speaking to an audience of genuinely stupid people who just believe anything they say. And again, what else could be the definition of stupid? It's gullible. It's unthinking. It's about one of the most important issues in the world. Like what could be more important than knowing that American elections still actually tally the votes of Americans. What could be more important than that? There are very, very few things more important than that. And so if you don't care to look into that and you're just going to accept Jeff Duncan saying that it can be debunked in 30 seconds, well, then you're stupid. Like what does smart mean if you can't separate fiction from reality or make correct decisions about the most important events of your life, what could smart be but that? 
But the people who watch CNN and MSNBC, the people who believe these stories, the people who believed Chris Krebs when he said this is the most secure election in history. Those are stupid people. It doesn't matter if they're functionally talented at some craft or trade. It doesn't matter if they might be a math genius. Functional capacity is not the same as functional intelligence. Responsible adults have an obligation to take serious issues seriously. And taking them seriously means finding out what's actually happening, not accepting the first explanation that allows you to feel safe again. And that's what we have. That's the pandemic. That right there is the pandemic. And Georgia has an interesting long game going on right now because they have this runoff election on January 5th. And I think I've talked about this on the podcast before, but I don't believe that that runoff is going to happen. And if I've said this before, apologies. But the thing about this widespread voter fraud stuff is there is absolutely no reason to believe that this election is legitimate. I've said that plenty of times. It is quite obvious to any reasonable person that the evidence is overwhelming that this election was fraudulent and illegitimate. And we don't need to hedge on that statement. Okay. The evidence is out there. There are sworn affidavits. If you took the time, you could have listened to testimony of hundreds of people, serious people, committed American patriots who are telling what they've observed. And sometimes they are whistleblowers. There's a Dominion whistleblower. Today, Phil Klein, actually right now, they're probably giving the press conference. Of three truck drivers, whistleblowers, who said, who described a, a scheme transporting hundreds of thousands of ballots across state lines to Pennsylvania. Ballots that were already filled in. Are we just going to say they're lying? No. Let's see their proof. But would Phil Klein bring that case without proof? Of course not. He's going to hold a press conference with some guys that he just, that like just might have told him something? No. So once one state flips, they will all flip. This is, there will be a first domino. And I think it'll probably be in Wisconsin because they have crazy shit going on there too. As does Michigan, who right now are having hearings in their oversight committee about election fraud. This is going to happen in all of these states. And once it does, what happens then? Then it moves on to all the other states. Because you can't imagine that if massive fraud occurred in those six states on behalf of Democrats and corrupt Republicans, that it didn't happen around the rest of the country. Of course it did. And do you think they're going to stop? No. Lynn Wood is now tweeting about how China actually 
purchased Dominion in October of this year. And he put up an SEC filing showing what he believes to be that purchase. $400 million. Is it true? We don't know yet. But if it is true, you think California's election is just going to stand as is? Of course not. And so the idea that this Georgia election is going to stand and that there's going to be a runoff in a month using the same system used now seems crazy to me. They're going to have that election under the same terms they just had it in. Stacey Abrams already has 950,000 ballots out there. Stacey Abrams is a walking voter fraud machine. You think that's not going to be proven true? If Dominion goes down, how are they going to do this in January? How are they going to cheat in January? What's the long game? And then when Republicans lose because they didn't stand up for Donald Trump, what is the media going to say? Well, Republicans stayed home over this conspiracy theory. What else are they going to say? Republicans stayed home because it was so obvious that we cheated? No. (laughs) They're going to have to go for the conspiracy theory explanation. And that explanation isn't going to fly. Watching the Republican establishment focus on the runoff is pretty funny. I mean, they really just want to resume the central narrative and move on like nothing ever happened. How is that going to work? There are 80 million plus Americans now who know for a fact that this election was fraudulent. Nothing is going to be the same in the realm of voting. We need to go back to paper ballots in person with an extraordinary system of verification if someone requests an absentee ballot. That should be the system. Voter, voter ID. No more voter fraud. I almost said, yeah, voter fraud. No, voter ID has to happen. This stuff is coming out. There was no way it wasn't going to come out. As I've said a bunch of times, the information war, the tides have turned. The internet hive mind is smarter than CNN. It's smarter than the tech companies. And it's smarter than the old guard intelligence community members. We get information faster than they can counter it. The Twitter censorship, the Instagram censorship, It's not going to matter. And I was thinking about this today. It's funny that Trump hasn't joined parlor and that that has allowed the media to keep talking about how bad and dangerous parlor is. And of course, when Twitter shuts down parlor or whatever it is that is in the offing and in the, in the next couple of weeks, and I think it'll happen um, that like December 18th, 19th, 20th kind of range, because that's 45 days after the election. And that has significance when looking at the 2018 executive order that Trump signed about uh, certain sanctions for foreign interference in our elections. So those dates are important. 
And Instagram, that's when their new terms of service kick in on December 20th. So I will be quitting Instagram before then. Although Instagram is probably just going to kick me off again. They've basically shut my profile down to nothing. Like as if I wouldn't notice. They're deleting my stories. They're making it impossible for people to search my profile. They are auto unfollowing me from other people's profiles. It's, uh, it's so obvious and blatant. And of course, I'm recording all of this stuff and keeping the receipts as really dorky people say. But the shit's going to go down then. And if Twitter tries to stop Trump or if they try to shut down all communications from Trump, he just switches to this other platform and immediately all the people who are ready to be outspoken and ready to fight for the country are going to immediately be able to hear what he has to say. He's already got the telegram too. Like I don't, I really, really don't know what they're thinking is going to happen here. They think that they can overpower everything. And maybe if they have the Chinese military backing them, they might have a chance. And if that's what they're hoping on, man, I don't want to see that happen, but they're going to be wrong there too. If China bought Dominion, the politicians responsible for installing Dominion in their states and running this system, they're complicit in that. There's going to be a day of reckoning for these people. The tides have turned. They have already lost. I don't understand how any of them think they're getting out of this. Steve Ducey signing the vote certification in Arizona while the hearings going yesterday. Like, hey, man, you're a criminal now. But let's switch gears a little bit. All right. So I want to. I really want to quiz each and every commie. I wish I had the time to quiz each and every commie and maskey. So what I would say is, hey, let me quiz you. Can I quiz you? Great. Going to quiz you. Here's the first question. Can you describe for me what widespread election fraud would look like? Since you're saying that there's no proof and that that couldn't have happened. What would it look like? Were it to happen, let's just say I agree with you. I agree with you. You're very responsible. And I know that it's not okay to make anyone doubt the results of an election, even if it's obviously stolen. So for your sense of false decorum, I'm going to offer you my goodwill and good faith in saying, you're right, there's no evidence. But you got to let me quiz you. How would you describe the scenario where widespread election fraud did indeed take place? How would you describe it? What sorts of things would allow election fraud to take place? Now, your answer, if you're a true commie maskey, would be, well, election fraud can't happen. That's why we have all these checks and balances on the system. 
election fraud can't happen. That's why I read all the articles leading up to the election saying that election fraud and voter fraud are extremely rare. And that's all I need to know. So there's the answer to your quiz. No, no, Kami, that's not an answer. That's not an answer. You have to describe what it would look like were it to happen. Like, let's say, let's say, just hypothetically, just hypothetically, that those articles were wrong. Okay? Let's just say hypothetically that those articles were wrong and that there are actually studies and other articles and just common sense that tells you that voter fraud and election fraud does indeed happen. Okay. So let's just hypothetically, let's say that that's the scenario. Describe for me how that system might break down. Okay. Well, do you think one of the ways might be that the chain of custody of ballots gets broken again and again? That could be one, right, Maskey? Yes or no? Can I quiz you? Do you have the answer? Okay. Well, you're not going to answer. Okay. So if the chain of custody breaking introduces more options for election fraud, is the chain of custody harder to maintain with mail-in ballots? Not going to answer that one either. Okay. Well, what about if you send mail-in ballots out to everyone, whether or not they want them, and you change their registration specifically to put them on the permanent mail-in ballot list so that you can say everyone in the state has moved to the permanent mail-in ballot list. Therefore, we really don't need to have voting in person anymore. Hey, Gavin, is that what you're going for? Think it is. Can I quiz you on that? Got an answer? No? Okay. So then tell me, uh, Kami, would the chain of custody break even further if we allowed a tech oligarch to buy a bunch of drop boxes for ballots and place them all over the big cities where you want to cheat so that people can put their mail-in ballots in and they never get postmarked so that you can keep receiving more ballots after the fact. What about that? Kami, would that make election fraud more likely? I don't know. Okay. That's, that's a very, very interesting, uh, interesting question. I know you'll probably get back to me on it. It's a tough one. So let me ask you this, Kami. Would election fraud be possible if we switched over to an all electronic system where it prints out a ballot and then you put the ballot right back in and then you have no receipt of the fact that you ever voted and no way to guarantee that they actually counted your ballot. And then the system that makes or the company that makes those systems and their software is a company 
not based in the U.S. That was created specifically to steal elections. Would that introduce the opportunity for election fraud, friend? You can get back to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put your answer in uh, in in writing and to make sure that you're very honest, couch it in a bunch of indirect statements and a waffle about your terms. Don't make anything declarative. Don't tell me what happened. Just explain it in a way that makes you still right. While avoiding all of the key things I quizzed you about. Now, if you heard that that system was installed in all sorts of places. And those were the places that we had the biggest problems with that lead you to believe that there might have been election fraud. And if the leaders in those states, mostly Democrats and very establishment Republicans all tried to do whatever they could to be sure that the election would not be fully audited and that we couldn't check the machines. And then they erased the records and they used all sorts of different legal maneuvers to prevent recounts. Would that make election fraud more or less likely? You can text me in a few months or just wait till CNN shows it sometime next July. You don't need to answer right now, Kami. I mean, it's not a big deal. And now what if the leaders of the Democrat Party and a complicit media and a complicit public health community and a complicit big tech community and a complicit world health community and a complicit communist nation and a complicit presidential campaign all tried to change the method and means and rules of voting in the months before an election based on a pandemic that they knew didn't present problems at the polls. What if they did that? Would that potentially introduce election fraud? What if I told you that Anthony Fauci himself said that there would be no problem with voting in person back in the summer. What if I told you that the CDC on election day came out and said that there was no reason for anyone to choose not to vote in person, even if they were currently infected with the coronavirus? That's how important it was that you go out and vote. Because Lord knows the mail-in fraud wasn't enough. Now, would that introduce more election fraud? And so let me just quiz you on this one last thing. If the states that could swing the election where all of this other stuff I've described was, it was already happening in all those states. If in all those states, they stopped counting ballots at the same time on election night. And then the next morning when everyone woke up, they saw 
totally different results from when they went to bed. And the media just went crazy saying that Joe Biden had pulled ahead. Joe Biden had pulled ahead. Don't look at the numbers, but Joe Biden pulled ahead. And then all those changes were based on statistically impossible scenarios. Would that lead you to think that there might be election fraud? Kami, is that enough? And if you answered no to all those questions in your written response that you'll probably give two years from now or never, because you will have sat passively by as they tried to steal not only your election, but your country. If that's not enough for you, Kami, then what is? Can I quiz you on that? What is enough? What would be enough for you to believe that widespread voter fraud happened or election fraud happened. What is it? What is your standard? Let me quiz you on it. I have other quiz questions. Can you describe for me what a fake health crisis would look like? Now, I'm not calling the coronavirus fake. Maskey, don't worry. I'm not trying to unsettle you. You're already unsettled. That's why you have the mask on. What would a fake health crisis look like? What if, for instance, CNN came out today with a very well-respected public health expert like Dr. Fauci, who hasn't just been a political hack for 36 years, but is really a very good, very serious doctor who doesn't care about media attention at all. What if they came out and told you that heart disease was now communicable, that you could get heart disease at the grocery store if you were to stand within six feet of somebody. Would that be stunning to you after centuries of heart disease that was never communicable? except by genetics, I guess. But what if heart disease became an infectious disease? What if they just decided to tell us that? And then every day they popped up on television with a new death counter for heart disease. In the middle of November, the number of heart disease deaths this year was over 530,000. So that's more than double the number of deaths that they're calling coronavirus, some of which were actually heart disease, oddly enough. Well, that's just under 1,700 deaths a day. What if they had that counter up there warning us that all of these people were dying from heart disease and you could get it at any time just by refusing to wear a mask. You gave everybody's grandmother heart disease now. Fucking assholes. And now we have 1,700 deaths per day on CNN's little counter. And Sanjay Gupta turns up on TV 
in a full like virology spacesuit to talk about how everybody could get heart disease from someone else at any moment. Be very scary, right? All those deaths going up on CNN's little side Chiron. That'd be horrifying, right? But we know that's not how you get heart disease. What would the difference have been with how the media would have treated it? That's my quiz question to you, Maskey. You wouldn't even know the difference because you don't care. You'll simply believe whatever they tell you. They could easily tell you that heart disease is now caused by the coronavirus and that it turns out that all the heart disease deaths this year were actually coronavirus too. And then you would run around with your arms waving in the air. I wonder why that's the thing that people do when they're scared, like in movies or cartoons or some shit, <laughs> like their hands just go back and forth, like they're doing the wave at a stadium, but just really fast while running. God, I would love to see someone do that in real life. I mean, I've seen them do it on television. Obviously, I already kind of said that, but they could convince you. And so what would the difference be if a media, if the media wanted to create a fake health crisis, how would they have covered it any differently? And how different would the results have been? I mean, the flu's gone, right? Here's a quiz question for you, Maskey. Does the coronavirus kill at a higher rate than the flu? Did you answer yes? Of course you did. Are you wrong? Yeah. It's basically the same. Did we ever wear masks for the flu, Maskey? No. Well, golly, why not? Oh, because masks don't work. That's right. That's right. Why isn't the flu the pandemic? They honestly could have just called the flu the pandemic and everyone would have gone all in on it. They've been setting up the second wave since the beginning. And now they're pretending that we're in one, but we're not. It's just the flu. Crazy, isn't it? So tell me, Maskey, what would be the difference if they had just started a fake health crisis rather than this very real one? Interesting. You can get back to me whenever you want. You can write a letter. You can even handwrite it in cursive. It'll be like the old days. When we were back in elementary school, just learning how. And then you can write your address on the envelope, put a nice forever stamp on there, take it down to the post office, get it in certified mail. So there's no doubt about whether or not I get the answer to your quiz question. You call Can I quiz you on this one last thing? In fact, this is an ongoing quiz. 
every time you call something racist, I'm going to quiz you about why that thing is racist. Cool. Can I, can I quiz you on that? Will you let me quiz you on how the thing you're calling racist is actually racist? I would love to hear your answer, but wait, the quiz isn't over because I have a follow-up question. And the follow-up is, oh, really? Tell me how. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Joe Biden will never be president. Goodbye. Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks for listening. Please follow the podcast on Instagram and Parler at I'm Your Moderator. Soon I'll be up on Rumble with a video aspect. In the meantime, if you'd like to support the show, I have a Substack, I'm Your Moderator.substack.com, where you can donate. Or you can donate at anchor.fm by searching Be Reasonable with your moderator, Chris Paul. I hope to see you soon. Back out on the rain. Backing as moderator for tonight's broadcast. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range.
It's hell!